0: welcome everybody to saving capitalism and today is not a fun episode for me uh because i gotta talk to you guys about the two times that uh i basically lost everything one business one personal or almost lost everything but either way i had to completely reinvent myself i had to start over again not just like financially but emotionally mentally i had to start over again now the first one which we'll cover is going to be the bulk of the episode. And that's the business one. And this is embarrassing as all failures are. And I want to be uh, candid about what I learned from this experience. Now, as a lot of you know, I started out my career at a very early age selling insurance. I did that because that's what my father did. He sold insurance and actually got his family out of poverty from that. That was his way. He did, you know, door-to-door life insurance sales. And when I got out of college, I decided that that was going to be my route too. I'd been already going around with him when I was a teenager to enrollment meetings, employee enrollment meetings with him. So I would literally drive around the state. Uh, we live in a rural state, and so we would drive around to these little cities and do it. And frankly, I thought it was amazing. I thought he was so cool I, I thought it was great i didn't understand anything they were saying it was very boring uh but i loved it probably i loved it just because it was my dad and we were doing it but i liked the sales portion because my dad shared with me and told me we're in control of our income right and that's why i love the sales meaning that if i went and sold i got paid now the downside with that was we didn't have any set income there was no safety net I had to sell or I didn't get paid. And so I started actually working for Aflac. Yes, the one with the duck. And then from there, I worked with a little small brokerage firm uh, in a small town over in Eastern Idaho. And there, I tried to convince small employers who didn't have health insurance to get it, like two or three employees. So I went to group medical, or I tried to, I tried to get people over. Uh, my dad didn't like, he thought they were teaching me wrong. So he said, no, you gotta come here and do this with me and learn. So I went there and he taught me the right way to sell. Right, And that's what we did. And we we, we sold group medical benefits. Now I, I loved it. I loved this. I love this control I felt over the income. I felt I'm an entrepreneur, I eat what I kill, as we like to say, and I'm my own boss, right? Nobody cares if I sell or don't sell, because it doesn't matter to anybody but me, I either get paid or I don't, it doesn't matter. Um, now that has its benefits, but it also obviously the downsides uh, I ended up referring to as a treadmill, meaning we can never stop this. Now. I learned really quickly that it's easier to go buy what is called a book of business and go out and sell it. So if you had a broker who had, let's say, 10 accounts, well, if we bought him, then I don't have to go sell 10 accounts. I also learned that if we went and bought him for, let's say, one and a half times revenue, that I could bring it into our shop, which we tried to use technology. So we brought in technology and a bunch of different things to try to help our clients and created more of an actual infrastructure backbone. So after I'd been selling for years, I thought, okay, this is a great, thing to do because I can buy him for let's say one and a half times revenue bring him in and automatically it wasn't worth one and a half times revenue anymore it may have been worth four times revenue because we had created more of an infrastructure right this is called roll-up it's a roll-up model and as we were doing this worked very well obviously went bought single uh, operator book of business brought them on and uh, it was immediately worth more money now as time went on I you know, wanted more as we all do. And, uh, I wanted to grow faster. And, um, I think my own desires probably surpassed, um, anything that was even reasonably safe. And I started to neglect things because I wanted to grow so bad, classic greed and pride cycle. Right. Um, and I believe that was what was going on. And so I, not that, being aggressive and wanting more anything is bad but it's when those things trump sound decisions and that's when it's I believe greed and I believe that's when Um, It is pride. Well, it was greed for the one stretch. It was pride thinking that they didn't matter and that I'd be successful no matter what. And I went and bought a much bigger firm that cost a lot of money, millions of dollars. And we had a contract set up with them. The contract looked like this. We give you X amount up front, let's say 600,000 as the down payment. Then we uh, paid you out from the revenues for three years, right? Seller financing, then the total amount, the millions more were going to be owed on the back end, which was fine because we'd be paying it down and we could also then get a loan from a bank or something, or we could grow it and pay for it. Now there was a bunch of things they put in the contract that even the attorneys were like, this isn't good. I don't like this contract at all. And I was like, it doesn't matter, we'll be fine. One of these things was the fact that if the revenue dropped below 30%, he could call due, whole entire amount because what was backing the note was now at risk right well that was fine by me because i didn't i was like that why would that happen we we haven't seen that happen it's never happened on any of our other acquisitions the other thing that um they had in there was we obviously had a non-compete on him but his wife didn't want to non-compete and she didn't sell these clients, they weren't her clients or anything else. And so we, so I thought, okay, I guess that doesn't really matter that much because it's not hers, she's not really connected to it, right? And uh, so they didn't wanna have it on compete with her in case she wanted to go work in the industry or something like that, which we thought, okay, that's fine. Well, 30 days after we bought it, his wife went out and took the clients that we had just bought, took the biggest clients, which immediately dropped the revenue by 30%. Now that's as simple in the insurance world as signing what we call a letter of record. And now all of a sudden the insurance company has to pay her all of those commissions and our commissions are gone. So the lady who didn't sell the clients and didn't have anything to do with it went and took all our clients. And of course her husband, whose company it was, and and we just paid uh, said, oh, that has nothing to do with me. Well, um, now, he said, the money is due in full and I want you to, first of all, either pay me all the money or the second thing was, I get the whole entire company back. Obviously, I don't know if he thought we were just going to roll over and give the company back and he was just going to take 600000 from us or what was going to happen, but we didn't like that option, so we sued for fraud, and uh, which was fairly clear-cut to us. Now, with the stupid contract that i signed obviously left holes in it but um that fight went on for a long long time and it destroyed the firm and at the end of the day we ended up reducing how much we had to pay him um by a lot so he didn't we get the money back we ended up selling the firm um but It created a situation for a long period of time that if we had to pay that note due, we would have to sell off assets. We would have had to maybe even lose our other companies. And it was a time that was horrible for me. I was depressed, I gained a lot of weight. Um, I thought not only had I just destroyed everything I'd created, I destroyed everything my dad had created that took him out of poverty to do. Um, Really, really bad time for me. And I felt stupid about it. Of course, right? Um, I felt 100% responsible, which I believe I was. It was me. I was doing it. I was growing it. I was, it was my decisions I, I, I was right. So, of course, it was my responsibility, and it was 100% on me. Now, even though it may have been said, oh, it was him, the guy that actually did the fraud, but at the end of the day, it was me that signed the contract. So, it was my actions that cost it. I could not really put blame on him. If I would have signed better contracts, you know, that might not have happened. So, um, which I did, I took 100% of the responsibility and, um, that period of time, uh, sucked. We we didn't know what we were going to do. And I didn't know what I was ever going to do. Then after the dust settled, lost all this money, everything was done. We ended up not losing everything. Um, but you know, we, it was, like it it changed everything we didn't i was obviously felt embarrassed about the whole thing incredibly embarrassed this was my career this is what i did how could i be so stupid and during the time that we're fighting i couldn't i had to also try to grow the other businesses so i'm in the middle of these ginormous lawsuits i'm trying to save one company i'm traveling back and forth across the country because it was on the other side of the country another stupid thing i did and that just encompassed my entire life it uh Took huge, huge tolls on me as well as my my wife and my kids, and I learned a lot of great lessons from this. And when I got out, the lessons that I learned made me say, "All right, this isn't sustainable for a few reasons." Now, aside from the fraud part, the contract part, let, let's get into the what I really learned. I had to look past that, so I had to say, first of all, whatever, look past. We got to learn something from this, like. What in the world, how is this gonna, what I learned? The first big issue that I saw was how our business was structured on other people's revenue, it wasn't ours. Meaning that that revenue could go in a second, and it did. So how do I scale, how do I build a business compound, and then how do I go out and do roll-up models and have a sustainable system moving forward? Now we could go just take large amounts of cash from other people, and risk other people's cash, which we weren't doing. We were using all ours and and ourselves um, to try to achieve that. But at the end of the day, I still felt it was a treadmill. Every time I lost a client, I had to go sell more. Every time revenue left, which it could at any time, I felt out of control. I didn't like it. In order to to grow a business, in order to become wealthy, I needed to compound. I needed to be able to grow it at a known rate of return. But I could never even plan on revenue that was past sold to be there you know, months later. Now, that's how I ended up referring to our business as a treadmill. And it was one that I'm like, I'm never going to leave and it's actually going to kill me. And it almost just did destroy everything. So not only did it destroy, almost destroy future growth, but it almost destroyed our uh, existing and, and past growth. So I started to look at businesses uh, very differently where I wanted to be the business that owned the revenue, not being someone that got a pure commission. The second side obviously was contractual, meaning that I'm never going to sign a contract that's win, uh, lose, I win, or win, you lose, right? That's ridiculous. I learned that if there's incentives, people will do them. And I learned that if they put it in a contract or don't put it in a contract, I mean, that means they're going to do it or they'd put it in the contract that they can't. So if we're not gonna, if they don't want something in a contract that they want that, but they say, don't worry, it would never happen, we would never do it. That means they're gonna do it. Even if they end up never doing it, you should 100% plan that they are. And if that situation is bad or makes it not doing, you should not ever do the deal. People will follow incentives and two, Generally, people justify their actions in ways that blow my mind. So the loopholes and the absolute mental gymnastics to justify apparently what they thought that they were doing and viewed us as like the bad guys, which is crazy to think about. They sold us their business. They actually asked us to sell by their company and screwed it. I, I, was, I was shocked by it. I didn't quite understand it. And so I also learned that um, things that you may think are clearly wrong, other people can justify away as long as it benefits them. And uh, that makes what's right and wrong very wishy-washy. So it needs to be spelled out in the contract and you need to make sure that you are not relying on or trusting people to have the same idea of what is good bad right and wrong as you because their perception or idea of what is good bad right or wrong will change with incentives and circumstances now that may be i feel guilty about what i did or that my right my wife has every single right to go take those contracts which obviously say, i never have I didn't have anything to do with that, but your wife wasn't in the business of stuff. The, the lying part and the mental gymnastics that go people go through that as well. Um, now, of course, we can all say obviously they didn't think that was right. They just didn't care. Doesn't matter. It is what it is. So in contracts, it needs to be spelled right. So I trust you. That's why I'm putting it in a contract. And I trust you because you will put it in a contract. If not, why should I trust you in that? If you are not willing to put down in writing what you say you're going to do, should I really trust you? Now, the win, lose, lose, win. If there's incentives for them to win by me losing, once again, they will take those incentives. And you need to be aware of that. Now, of course, I like to say, everybody, I am above those things. Well, if I am, I hold myself to the same standard, then I should put it in a contract. Now at the end of the day, the next thing I learned, the only people that win in lawsuits are attorneys, millions of dollars. The guy that pulled this stunt now works for a company. He's no longer has his own company and he did not get a fraction of the value that his company was worth. And he had to pay all the attorney bills and everything. He probably lost 60% of what the company's value was we lost. Obviously, we paid up front, and then we paid attorneys and then we got a fraction of what it was to selling off the business. And so nobody won. And at some point, honestly, we almost just cared only about making sure that he lost. And that was because we realized we would never recoup it and we had to try our best to get out of a situation. So entry, the next thing that I learned, you don't wanna get in lawsuits with crazy people And rich people because there's no limit to what they will do and people act more emotionally than anything else and I think he vastly underestimated how we would not think about that logically as we felt wronged and we fought to the death because we just felt that it was personally wrong that he would do it and we wanted to make sure that we made a statement out of it so at the end of the day Don't sue, get into lawsuits with crazy people and don't get into lawsuits with rich people because they will just go all out and there's no winning in either one of those cases. The next thing is that the lawsuits, nobody wins. Every time you get into a lawsuit, you should go into it knowing that you're going to lose. Now, you may say you may win the actual lawsuit, right? But that doesn't mean you win. And most of the time, lawsuits are emotional things. They're not practical, they're not logical, um, and pragmatic people stay away from them. Litigious people are very, very dangerous people, and you should watch out for them. So I don't like to do business with partners and things like that that are litigious. I don't want that. At the end of the day, if I think that the contract that we signed in order to execute has to result in a lawsuit, we shouldn't even be in it. We should have mechanisms and contracts that say, this is how things work when it goes south. Because for me to think that the future will be the same as it is today is stupid. So we should already have those discussions, meaning you start with the divorce in mind. You actually plan on it. And I find that when people think that's weird or don't like to hear about that, it's like, wait, you don't want to plan on if something goes wrong or if we break up. No, no, because no, it won't. We're just going to be successful. Those are the most dangerous people. We should be able to have logical, sound business conversations where if something does go wrong, it isn't a lose-win or a win-lose. At the end of the day, with my deals that I have with business partners, investors, everything else, there is no winning for me if things go wrong with any of them. In fact, I'm almost always the largest loser, especially with my investments. I hold all the risk, I hold all the debt. So I build things out to avoid those situations and build a plan if some crazy person does something crazy because that happens. That's the next thing is understanding the scope of what you will lose and understanding that risk that is designed. What we had to, what we were going to gain versus what we had to lose because we were buying something on revenue that wasn't ours and unpredictable and we leveraged something else for it. That was stupid. I learned though that there's circumstances when that's not stupid and it does apply, but it's a totally different type of investment. And that's why we went all into real estate and storage because all the things that that had the storage didn't have. So we had predictable simplicity Own uh, revenue that we owned, we owned the assets, it had v- intrinsic value, there was actual land, things like that, aside from purely revenue, and we could generate that own revenue, that we could create a business plan around it. Now, the, also the contracts with real estate, how they're handled and done, it's very simple, very clear. But most importantly is that's a method of compounding. Meaning I can buy something at a certain rate of return. I know I can get that return. I know that I can improve revenue to this point and then I can take it out, redeploy it. And I still have the underlying asset and the underlying cash flow. Meaning that that offered a method to do two things that I wanted. On the business side, I want to vastly increase revenue because that increases value. Now, at the same time, I want to be able to take that value and redeploy it and have the underlying value stay there and stay the same. And it needs to be conservative, or when I say conservative, predictable. Does that mean that everything that I do is real estate or predictability? No, obviously not. We've invested, as everyone knows here, because I've talked about several times, very large, large, large amounts into tech companies. Now, the reason though we did it, how we protected us, our downsides was pretty straightforward, meaning that the investors, the people that came to do it were also the users and upon the people that are paying, have skin in the game, the incentive to use it, the company who actually worked. So we set things up that we said we are vastly reducing our overall risk and exposure. What I don't want to do is I don't want to make something and say, I hope the market accepts it and send it out to the market. And then when the market doesn't accept it, I just lost everything. I don't like that. I think the startup world in that sense is, that's not a world for me. Now, I do startups. I have lots of startups. I have four startups right now. But the underlying driver and value of them is a known planned thing, and I can figure out how to scale it. So it's not that I avoid risk, and I wanna make sure that's clear. I just look at it differently. Now, I also accept certain things, meaning that that money could go away and I have to be 100% okay with it. So my allocation of risk changed dramatically. The eggs in one basket approach was stupid and I shouldn't have done that, meaning that the deal I was buying so outweighed what I had already had and was already buying to the tune of millions that it was uh winner takes all. I don't play those games anymore. And I should have never, because it's actually not the big hit that makes you. It's the small compounding that you can just keep doing over and over and over again. After this, I had to basically change and I realized and I had to accept what I was trying to build and create could not be done utilizing the method that I was. That business model didn't work to achieve what I wanted to achieve. That means I had to go all in on storage and what I was doing there. And I had to really figure that out. Now, that is a big change. Now we had storage, we knew it, we understood it, but I was basically going to leave something that I had done and my father had done all our lives. We knew it, we were good at it. Into something that we understood, we could do it, but it we had to scale, we had to build it. And so it was unknown. Right, that that wasn't something that we knew had an outcome like the other, that's a lot of risk. And that was a big change. I had to change how I thought, who I was. And that was really hard. And I find that most people won't do that. They'll simply stay with what they know, even though they know it's not as good as this, or it actually won't get them to where they're trying to go or do, simply because they know it. So what that means is they confuse risk with familiarity. I'm familiar with it so it means that it's less risky. That's not true at all. That's one of the problems I have with people that say, I have to invest in my market. Just because you're familiar with it doesn't mean that it's better. In fact, it actually may be the worst place for you to invest. But people think more emotionally than logically. This is hard, I'm not saying it's easy but to analyze risk for what it actually is in a pragmatic way, and be able to make big decisions off of that. And that's difficult, but it played out and it was the correct move. We knew it was right then, and so we did it. We shifted, and we went all in. Now, lots of times, I have to try to make these pragmatic decisions. Both when I failed, that was an emotional decision. Emotion overcame that, right and I made a move that I shouldn't have so the last thing that I learned was that take the emotion out of it be pragmatic about it look at the execution look at the underlying numbers make sure you know the downside and listen to the experts if you do these things over time you will be successful you will learn more You will understand more. Your pragmatism will become better and better as you invest, and you will surround yourself by experts, and you will be able to compound. Now, those three things are a lethal combination when it comes to wealth creation and business. But emotionally, it was extraordinarily hard. It was like a sense of losing who I was and having to become another person without the guarantees Of success now we can do that when we're failing at something that's easy but when you're already successful at that thing it is much harder to do that honestly the king of this is probably elon musk meaning that he'll go into things that don't have to do with what he's doing and then he actually makes that and becomes successful at that which is wild because He's going from something that is totally different from cars, to rocket ships, to social media, to flamethrowers, to whatever it may be. And he's still making them successful. So it looks like he can be fairly pragmatic. I don't understand all the business dealings, but that's a hard leap to make. And he took a lot of risk to do it, right? So technology companies, to car companies, to everything else in between. It's important that we do what will work and what is right, rather than what is emotionally comfortable for us. And we have to be willing to adapt and change. For the most part, I think that people are not successful because they will not change, even when they know it's right, because it's uncomfortable. So. They would be vastly more successful if they were open and willing to make changes and big changes and work and get out of their comfort zones, but they're not. So they get stuck in a rut and they justify it by saying that it's comfortable and they justify it by not doing it by saying it's too risky. It's not that it's actually risky, but it feels risky to me. This is a death knell for progress, I assure you. Now, the second thing is one that you will obviously all know more about, and that's when I became paralyzed. And I had to reinvent myself again now. In under 10 years, that was the second time that I had to completely reinvent who I was and what I was going to do. I had no idea if I was ever going to leave a wheelchair, if I was ever going to walk again, and I was definitely never going to be the same person I was prior. I had to figure out a new me. That's why I started podcasts, educational stuff. I wanted to share and give back. Once again, it was very successful. This time I was definitely forced into it, okay? And the second one probably wouldn't have happened. The changes that I made wouldn't have happened unless that resulted. Why? Because I was emotional and didn't want to change and I knew something was good, but I wouldn't do it. Like social media, podcasts, things like that. I didn't want to put myself out there. Guys, this is obviously Uh, a lot of emotional risk because people are going to listen to this and people will either think I'm dumb they will have good thoughts, bad thoughts, I don't know, I can control it but I'm putting myself out there And uh, the reason why I decided to do that, because practical reasons, meaning that I needed uh, opportunity. I actually believed what I was doing and I wanted to allocate resources. Well, you can't do that unless people know who you are, what you're doing. And by doing it, we got a lot of opportunity. It was like a tsunami of it. Now. That was easy for me because I had been lying in a bed being bathed by people. They would turn me over and bathe me with rags. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go to the bathroom, nothing. I was just lying, paralyzed, hooked to tubes on a bed. So I guess I had no pride left, so I didn't really care much about what people said about me on the internet. Over the last six years, that's actually become harder, a lot harder. It's harder for me to make changes. It's harder for me to change and do things that I know that I should because of risk of how people may view me, may think of me. Um, and that's something that I don't like. And I'm trying to fight back against. Uh, but it is very, very hard. And so I remember now what it was like. And the further I get away from, first of all, needing to change, wanting to change, or changing because it may make me uncomfortable or it may have risks associated with uh, looking dumb, bad, or how I feel, uh, the more that I'm apt to not do those things. The great thing about podcasts and social media is I'm constantly having to do those things. So it actually makes me more in and willing to do it. And so I hope that I'm brushing up. And I hope that I'm keeping going. As you guys go into the next year, we're very quickly coming up at the end of this year. Uh, Nothing will change unless you change your circumstances, unless you change your inputs, and unless you change on how you execute. Those three things, circumstances, inputs, and execution. If you don't change those three things, you will never change the outcome, ever. All three of those things are, generally speaking, difficult to do because it is uncomfortable, it is unknown. So most people don't do those things. They do not give up their friends. They don't give up their circumstances. And they definitely don't change what they're doing day to day because we are creatures of habits. They don't change what they watch. They don't change their inputs, what they read. They don't change what they're hearing. They don't change how they're doing things. And these things are tough, they're hard. But if you focus on just those three things, Circumstances, inputs, and execution, you will completely change your life. And that's what happened to me after I obviously became paralyzed. It definitely changed my circumstances. All of a sudden, I could only have so much time to do so much. So I really had to change my execution style that allowed me to grow companies, grow faster and do better. Then I also changed my inputs. See, I didn't have a lot of time anymore. I was only awake in general for hours a day. And sometimes those hours a day, I really wasn't even at a point where um, I was able to do a whole lot. So who I talked to and what I did, whether it was watching TVs, movies, reading books, anything else like that, everything became more important. So I had to focus and I had to prioritize. Once again, now, six years later, I can now walk. um, I still have a lot of struggles and Those things are harder to do. I'm falling back into my levels of comfort and I'm falling back into circumstances that I create and are comfortable for me and I'm not getting out. I change the inputs because they're easier, they're funner, they're better. And I change the fact that I'm not changing execution and doing those things because it's simpler. All of those things are bad. And I'm promising to you guys that I will continue making myself uncomfortable and I will continue to change. And I hope that you guys do too. At the end of the day, I've had to reinvent myself multiple times. Those are two big ones in my adult life, obviously, that I've had. Please don't wait till those events happen to you to have to reinvent yourself to get the change that you always wanted and were gonna make in the first place. Just make the changes and do it now because by changing those three things, you will change your life and you can control those things. You're choosing your circumstances. You're choosing your inputs and you're choosing what you do. These are three controllables that you have regardless of everything else. And yet these are the three things that we choose to stay within our comfort zone and area. Therefore, making it so we never change. You have that control, 100% of it. The short-term circumstances that you don't have control over, you may not like I know I haven't, but I focused on the three that I could. And that always changed for the better, both me, my circumstances, for my family, and everyone else. All right, everybody. I hope that makes sense. And if you're needing to change, then get out there and change it. And if you're needing to change, but you don't want to change, all the more reason you should. Thanks, everybody.